Welcome to Cranky Commentaries. My name is Jack Mastro. As always, I'm joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. How's it going? Not too bad. Uh, what can you tell us about the movie we're doing today? <laughs> what can I tell you about it? Yeah. Uh, it's very, very silly movie, but also a very serious movie for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh that's, that's pretty accurate. Uh for a bit. For um, for for just a just a just a just a smidgen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um do you want to go through the plot? Yeah. Uh so it's Have we even introduced the film? I mean the music is pretty pretty clear like what right, type yeah, of yeah, film yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I I figured we were going to get into that during this, but I guess we didn't. Anyway, the movie is uh 1996's Mars Attacks. Uh, this is a movie directed by Tim Burton. Uh, music by uh, Danny Elfman, as you probably heard. Yeah. Basically, the plot of this movie is as simple as it gets, I, I, I would say. It couldn't be, yeah. It's straightforward, A to B. To Basically, uh, Mars aliens attack Earth... <laughs> For seemingly no good reason, it never gets explained. No. Uh, just because they feel like it, I guess. Yeah, because that's what they do. Yeah, they blow up a lot of buildings. <laughs> um, yeah. They vaporize Congress. Uh, <laughs> they seem to be doing a lot in this in the states. Uh, nobody else seems to get affected except for France, uh, who uh, also gets yeah, vaporized. France, the whole world gets affected. There's that scene where they uh, they uh, explode uh, the Taj Mahal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Right, 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 yeah. But, but uh, they only really seem to show the. the they only uh, seem to show what's going on in the United States. The American carnage. Yes. Um, anyway, so basically, <laughs> Martians attack Earth for no good reason. They blow up a lot of shit, and then eventually, through sheer luck, basically a uh, a solution to defeating the Martians is developed. And just as quickly as they came, they are eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a so, very hopeful hopeful moment at the end. Very hopeful moment that's quite a bit similar to the end of uh, The Phantom Menace, really, in a lot of ways. Is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the final scene? Yeah, it's exactly the same, really. Think about it. Natalie Portman putting... Uh, <laughs> putting medals around people's necks yeah it's superficially i guess it's there's some it's very similar there. yeah standing <laughs> on like a stage in front of the, the a watching nation as she yeah. awards medals it's pretty 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 similar anyway <laughs> um so yeah mars attacks uh you said it was uh tim burton directed also produced yes um, the cast is an ensemble cast that is like yeah there's a lot of people in this movie actually the interesting thing is like there's a lot of people like sort of early roles for them too yeah it's kind of a mixture of like people at the top of like it's kind of funny that way because it's like people tons of people at the top of their game and then a bunch of people who became well not really a bunch of people but a, a couple few, people like a couple people like Jack Black. Yeah, and, Jack Black uh, specifically. And, like, and uh, Natalie Portman specifically. Yeah, those yeah. two who became quite quite big. Yeah, like all, all I could think of that they shooting before this was like, you know, uh, Leon the Professional. Uh, 
or low professional, I guess, um, <laughs> which is a weird fucking movie. Uh, yeah, it was a weird movie. But, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, so who's yeah. In it? you got Jack Nicholson, obviously, in a dual role, which is weird. We'll get into a bit more later. Um, you've got Glenn Close, you've got Pam Greer, Annette Benning, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox, Tom Jones. Can't forget Tom uh, Jones. <laughs> Natalie Portman, Jack Black. Uh, oh, yeah, Sylvia Sidney as uh, the grandmother. Um, who else? There's a, a, a yeah, few more people. Just but those like, are the, scroll those down are the IMDb page. It's a really long cast list. Yeah, and I was just noticing that... Um, Speaking of like people who would go on to like do stuff like between um the uh like in the first family like the president uh the first lady and the and the and the first daughter mm-hmm. there's uh what was it it was twenty two Oscar nominations and four wins <laughs> wow I assume between none the... for this film no <laughs> yeah zero for this film I don't although think Jack Nicholson actually... clearly deserves the Oscar. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, like that speech he gives at the end, right before getting like guilt. Yeah, that's an that's an amazing speech. What does he say? Like, what besides be why can't we all together? just get along? That's the why can't we all just get along? Why can't we work together? Yeah, pretty classic stuff. <laughs> so yeah, how much did it make? It I, it was kind of a flop, as I understand. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like it was expensive. Yeah, well, there was. A, we'll get into the budget a bit a little bit later on. There was like, they they definitely worked it down. Yeah, from where they wanted it to be. Or uh, so yeah, okay. So the budget ended up being seventy million dollars, which is expensive, but yeah. Like uh, I'm just thinking, like all the people they had to pay. Like how much money do you think Jack Nicholson got paid? Yeah, the the <laughs> for two true. roles. For two roles, yeah, exactly. I don't know. How much more? Do you think he got paid extra for two roles? I don't know. Do you have to? Probably not. I don't know. It, it It's all about time, right? So if you didn't spend... I, any- I, would, I would ask for more money if you're going to make me do two roles. Yeah. But then, like, that's, that's like twice the amount of, like, preparation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially if you're, like, you know, as, uh, um... What's the word I'm looking for to describe Jack Nicholson? Has as much clout as Jack Nicholson? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What are you gonna? I don't. I don't know. It's just, he's a he's a very intense actor. Hmm. Um. But yeah, so the seventy million budget. They uh, they ended up making a hundred and one point four million in the box office. So probably not as much as they would have wanted. At least they no. made profit. No. I've seen worse. But yeah, uh, what was else? What else is coming out in 1996 that it would have had to compete against? <laughs> uh, a similar movie with a different vibe. Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a very different vibe. I mean, they're almost the same movie, really. Yeah, like exactly the same movie. But so, what? When did uh, Independence Day come out? Do you know exactly? Like, like what, the day? Uh, the I release. Yeah. What time of year? June 25th, 1996. Oh, so that was the debut, but for general, uh, general release was July 3rd, 1996. So it was the summer. 
July 3rd. So it came out quite a bit, a couple months before Mars Attacks. Because Mars Attacks came out uh, theatrically in the U.S. on December 13th, 1996. Right. So, I don't yeah. know, maybe people like saw it and they're like, you know, I already fucking saw Independence Day. I don't need to see another fucking alien uh, attack movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they're like, Independence um, Day was so fucking terrible. I don't know if I can see another one of those. Yeah. And Tim Burton said it, Tim Burton said it was like, he like heard about Independence Day and was like, huh. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, well, I mean, basically what he said about it is is what we just said. It's like, well. I mean, it's superficially similar, but it's not like it's the most complicated storyline, so... No, yeah, it's like... <laughs> the tone is I mean, Independence different. Day has more nuance to the plot than this does. Oh, come on, are you really saying that? Think about it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very small, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is more nuanced. There's definitely some, some similarities there. Yeah. Is what I would say. Yeah. So, uh, as you said earlier, this was directed by Tim Burton. Uh, do we want to talk about him a little bit? Yeah, because we've touched on his career a bit, but not. I don't think we've done a Tim Burton movie. No, I yet. don't think we have. Um, I, I like Tim Burton. I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, he's got such a... I like him. Some of his stuff. Not all of it, obviously. But he's Yeah, I mean, got... he definitely, like... Like, I mean, I'm not going to say that Planet of the Apes was a good movie. Oh no, terrible. I hate That's that movie. Terrible. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't think it's a good movie. Uh I seem to remember him saying like um I'd rather jump out a window than like direct a sequel to that movie. <laughs> or something like that, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, me too. I'd rather jump out a window than have him direct a sequel to that movie. Yeah. Um But yeah, that's the thing. Is he 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 has you got to respect at least that he's like tried so many different things. Yeah, um, and he's like obviously super creative, and you know he works hard. So, he, and he's done a lot of stuff that I like. So, yeah, no, it's just like sometimes I get the sense that like Tim Burton lives in kind of like Tim Burton land. You know what I mean? Oh, of course, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which he, is like he, I guess a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah, it means that things like when when his uh his vision lines up with mine and I like it, it's awesome. And I'm living in Tim Burton land, and I, when I want to be there, it's great, but when it doesn't, it's not. It gets a bit much sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, like, later career Tim Burton has a tendency to get overindulged. Exactly what I mean. Like, you know, he's kind of living on his own planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and people let him do that yeah. a lot. But in this movie, it's not an issue at all. I would say. No, definitely not. But yeah, he, um, Tim Burton, so he starts out, his career starts out, he works as uh, an animator for Disney, which I actually didn't know that. Um, yeah, uh, it's kind of, you can definitely tell he has, like, an animation background. Yeah, I don't know, I meant to link it here, but I don't think I did, but uh, have you seen his first, because he got hired from Disney um, because of this short animation he did? Uh. That is quite funny. I, I didn't actually see it. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like it's it's like this really creepy, uh, uh, like this like evil doctor is like doing these like weird tests on this woman, and it's like really dark. And then he like walks out, and it's like a dentist's waiting room, and he's like next patient. And it's 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 pretty funny. Anyway, it's it's dark and it's very Tim Burton-y. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and he gets hired somehow for Disney as an animator because it's like quite proficiently done and he did it all by himself. Yeah. Um, so so do we know like if there are any films that his work actually made it into? I'm not sure to be honest, but like he was there for like four years, so there must have been and he was an animator and storyboard artist, so he must have done something, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure, like, what specifically. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I know on the Wikipedia article uh, for Tim Burton, it mentions, like, he, like, worked on uh, a bunch of movies, and then it, uh, what, what are the movies that it says? Um, But it says specifically, like, a lot of his concept artwork didn't actually get into anything that was released, but I don't know <laughs> if any of his actual animation was. Right. Okay, so he worked as a concept artist um, on Fox and Hound, Tron, and The Black Cauldron, but it says his concept art never made it into the finished films. Right. I, yeah, understandable. <laughs> if you've so seen I, any oh, of those I, movies. I think the, the name of the animation you were talking about was Stock of the Celery Monster. Stock of the Celery Monster, that's what I'm calling. Uh, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yes. Um, so then his next two films, he produces a film called Vincent, uh, mm -hmm. which is great if you've seen it. Uh, it's about I like haven't. a boy. It's about like a little boy who like imagines that he's Vincent Price. Oh, so it's about Tim Burton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, it's narrated by Vincent Price as well. It's, it's, it's oh, yeah. How did, you, how did you get that? I guess. Well, it was through made Disney for Disney. Somehow? It was made for di through Disney. Um, right. And then in so that's 1982. Um and then in 1984 he produces uh Frankenweenie, which So I did is... I did watch a little bit of this before we were going on here. Um Frankenweenie? Yeah. Yeah, Frankenweenie I believe is a classic. I think it's lived on in infamy. Well, didn't he remake it as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it got a feature-length film eventually. Yeah, I think right. Yes. So, um, although from what I what I read, he got fired because of this movie. <laughs> he got fired from <laughs> Disney. Yeah, yeah. This is that was it was a uh, a bit too far because for those of you who don't know, I believe Frank and Winnie's about like a boy whose dog gets run over and then he like reanimates the dog. Yeah. Uh, into like a zombie dog like Frankenstein. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he got fired because uh, apparently Disney thought he was wasting Disney resources on a film that would be too dark for children to enjoy. Yeah, I don't know. The kind of vibe that I got is like, um, I feel like he probably, like, given that this this movie actually went from, like, beginning to actually being made before they actually fired him. Or, yeah. like, shut it down. Like, it sounds like he maybe, like, pulled some things that were a little sketchy to get this done like, without actually telling his superiors what he was doing. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. Like, because, like, how could you make a full short film and then get fired for allocating resources incorrectly? I mean, it, like, it surely they would have figured this out before you actually did, like, casting or, like, anything. Yeah. Yeah, it totally implies that he, like, did it kind of under the table and, like, didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah, which is, like, strange how nobody figured that out. Because, like, like, he had to, like, hire actors and shit like that. And, like... Yeah, I don't know. 
Like these know. are not just random people. Like he got Shelley Duvall to be in it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Disney did not like Frank and Weenie. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder you know, why. Yeah, but you know who did love Frank and Weenie? Someone with a twisted mind. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Paul Rubens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul Rubens loved Frank and Weenie, and at the at the time of Frank and Weenie. Uh, Paul Rubens was also getting ready to make a feature-length film based on everyone's favorite character, Pee-wee Herman. Mm. So, actually, this was uh, Tim Burton's first feature-length film, and I I didn't know that. Yeah! um, Do we know what the budget was for... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So the budget for... for... I was just thinking, because, like, obviously... It's kind of interesting that, like, you know, obviously Pee-wee's Big Adventure is, like, it doesn't seem like it was that expensive. So, like, uh, I was wondering why they would give just him such a chance, but I guess it wasn't that expensive to do. $7 million yeah. budget. Well, yeah, $7 million, yeah. Yeah, small small budget. Yeah. Was, 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 uh, what was Paul Rubens doing with Pee-wee Herman before the movie? Uh, I don't know. I'm my my Pee Wee timeline is not very good. I don't really know. I know he was doing like live shows for Second mm-hmm. City, but I don't. So, really but this know. was the first screen adaptation of Pee Wee Herman. I think so. Because I know he also had like Pee Wee's Playhouse right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I think that was later. Yeah, because there was two movies and then or. Anyway, I'm not 100% sure on the Pee Wee timeline, but... Okay, apparently there was an HBO special before that, which I think is just him doing, like, a live show. Right, right. This this movie, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, is also specifically very uh, important for the career of Tim Burton because um, it united him with Danny Elfman. Mm. Both both Tim Burton and Paul Rubens were fans of uh, of Oingo Boingo, which we'll get oh. into, we'll get into the relationship a bit more when we talk about Danny Elfman later on. But okay, I actually haven't listened to a ton of Elmo Boingo, but uh, you know. very little myself. I I don't. Know. They're kind of like, uh, uh, we'll get into them a bit more later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so they they get Danny Elfman on board, um, who was a bit like unsure at the time. About because he had never done obviously he had never done a uh, a feature length film. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny given that that's like his whole thing now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this was his first film, and he w- he'd only done songwriting for Oingo Boingo before this. Hmm. Uh, but they convinced him to do it, and and uh, and that started their their relationship. And basically, he's done he's done the majority of Tim Burton films. Since yeah. then. Uh are there any Tim Burton films that he didn't do? I think there's this one or two. Okay. I don't one know. I guess he was and, busy. <laughs> and there was one period like early on in their relationship, they had kind of a falling out. Oh, did they? Okay. And this actually they were reunited on Mars Attacks. Um Oh, okay. I see. So he did come back. Yeah, it was a very short falling out. It was like a couple years. I think they mm. just said Tim Burton said something like their relationship, they just needed like some breathing room because they had made like a bunch of projects like really close together. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And I imagine Tim Burton's probably not always the uh, 
the most flexible guy. No, nor I imagine is Danny Elfman. If you've no, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a. They're both obviously like weirdos. <laughs> Yeah. If you've ever spent any time on Danny Elfman's uh, social media, it's it's a it's an oh, interesting place. Oh, I have not. Place. It's an interesting place. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Jose level, is it? Oh no, <laughs> not at all. It's professional. Okay, I see. <laughs> like he's a sane person. I haven't seen Beetlejuice in years, but yeah, it's been a it's, while. It's definitely a Tim Burton classic. Definitely Tim Burton classic. Yeah. <laughs> but what I have seen recently. And what is also a Tim Burton classic uh, <laughs> is, is not my... Uh, is that his first film with Johnny Depp? It must be. Like, I can't, I can't uh, think of one. Edward that he... Scissorhands is the movie I'm talking about. Um, Ed- Edward Scissorhands, yes. I would say that that is like, probably like the defining Tim Burton movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. What year was that? That was er- very early 90s. I, I, think I think it's like 1990 or something like that. I don't Let me double check. Yeah. Um, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Did you see the Super Bowl ad? Yeah, I did. I did see that. What was he selling? I can't remember. Was it insurance? Probably. <laughs> Sounds. Yeah, I was correct. December sixth, nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. It's got all the all the all the elements. Yeah, it does, and and uh, Johnny Depp is even made up to look a bit like Tim Burton. Yes, definitely. <laughs> was that? I guess that was on purpose. I don't know. I don't know if it was intentional, but it. As soon as you like look at it, it's like, oh yeah, of course. Like if you yeah. look at a picture of Tim Burton from that time period, he looks exactly like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. A little less pale, maybe, but. Just slightly. Yeah. But then, yeah. So, and then you get your your Batman period. Yeah, classics. Uh, which is like, he's definitely got the some of the most controversial Batman out there. <laughs> Does he? I think people. Either what about hate the one or... with George Clooney? What about Joel Schumacher's Batman? No, that's a good point. So I said some of the. I didn't say the. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like those are like, you know, some of the the best Batman villain adaptations. I mean, I am I am a hundred percent like. Uh, totally snubbing uh, another movie, which we shall not mention the name of. Uh, yeah, for all those, I, I <laughs> yeah, think come at me. It. For for those of a, of you who don't know, Jake has a huge issue with the uh, the Nolan trilogy, but <laughs> but we won't get into that now because we'll we'll probably eventually do a whole eight episode series on that. Do we actually like? Do I actually have to watch that movie again? Yeah, fuck yeah, we'll do that again, but. Maybe right. a time. We'll wait till everything else needs to be going perfectly. Yeah, that could be a while. <laughs> so yeah, so Tim Burton does his Batman, which we won't get into too much because this is not the Batman episode. Um, it is not. So finally, in uh, 1994... Um, he does the film, the little-known film, also starring Johnny Depp, um, Ed Wood. Have you ever seen that movie? I have. Is it little-known? I think it's fairly little-known. Like it's Didn't not... it win, like, an Academy Award? D- d- I, well, it was, it, in terms of, I mean, audience-wise. It may have been critically acclaimed, but, right. it, like, it was a flop, and it's never talked about as a Tim Burton film. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a very Tim Burton-y Tim Burton film. I I saw it once years ago. It's pretty good. I think. Well, do you want to do want to describe it a bit because it's pretty relevant to uh to his to subsequent film? film. Yeah, so uh, it won two Academy Awards. What for? Uh, Best Supporting Actor for Martin Landau. Oh, okay. And uh, and uh, Best Makeup for Rick Baker. Oh yes, Rick Baker. Rick Baker, who has been mentioned on the podcast before. Yeah, a couple times, I think. Um. Yeah, so uh, Ed Wood is a fictional biography of the the 1950s um, B-movie director, well, C-movie, D-movie director, I would guess, (laughs) Ed Wood. Um, So Ed Wood was like a director in the 1950s who made like some of the worst movies of all time, um, (laughs) such as... uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space, uh, <laughs> and it, yeah. the film. Yeah, and anyway, so like they were, they were really, really cheap movies, and like yeah, like lowest possible budget schlock films. Yeah, and um, he was also a very strange man himself, but um, so I guess Tim Burton was a really big fan of Ed Wood. Yeah, and uh, decided to sort of celebrate uh, his films, which is uh, because like they'd been ridiculed in the past. Yeah, yeah. So he so, wanted to um, do a bit of a an homage. Exactly. So yeah. um, he did, and it was actually uh, a lot of detail went into uh, to that to uh, the film, like trying to replicate all the crappiness. Huh. Yeah. I, I I gotta watch it, rewatch it, because I hey, like I said, I haven't seen any years, and it's a yeah, it's a it's it's a very lot of attention to detail with with <laughs> the the badness. I enjoy that, and it's got Johnny Depp. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Johnny Depp as uh as Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Um, but yeah, that brings us up to date now. About uh, well, not to date, but to, well, that brings uh, us up to the film. Yeah. The, to 1996 to Mars and Mars Attacks. So, so Mars Attacks is not an original concept. Yeah, so I didn't actually know this until watching this movie this time. Yeah, me like, too. <laughs> like, when I saw the opening, and it's like based on the, uh, the tops trading cards or whatever in the intro. And I was like, yep. oh. I didn't know that. I thought this was something t- Tim Burton made up. Nope. This no, movie is, not. is based on a series of trading cards under the same name, Mars Attacks, uh, from 1962. Um, produced by a bubblegum and toy company called Tops. That's obviously bizarre. Yeah, like it's not something that you would like see these cards and be like, I want to turn that into a film. Well, like, what are movies based off of trading cards? Come on. It's always the other way around, first of all. What? Well, content. What about Yu-Gi-Oh? Cards. Didn't Yu-Gi-Oh, didn't the show come first? No, I think it was the cards came first. Oh, really? Because I was going to use I'm that. Not a, I'm not an expert on that. Don't quote me. But let me, uh... Because that's what's going to be an example I was going to use of, like, uh, 
because of content that's based on cards, but... Uh, oh, I could be wrong. Um, well, there is actually um, a Wikipedia list of, of movies based on toys. Yeah, there have been. So, okay, I, I'm completely fucking wrong. No, it was the, the manga came first. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know when the when the TV show happened. And I assume that there was a Yu-Gi-Oh movie. I don't know. I, there probably was, wasn't there? Probably. Oh, yeah. Maybe there not. Were. Yeah. There were four Yu-Gi-Oh movies, as far as I can tell. Yeah, so, but yeah. This is not the first film to be based off of a trading card game. There are tons of uh, films based off of toys, but... I could only find one other trading card movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's actually also another Topps trading card game that you may or may not be familiar with. Um, uh, I looked it up, actually, before this. Uh, I have not seen the film, but uh, it looks terrible. <laughs> it's horrifying. The film itself is horrifying. Are you familiar with the trading cards, uh, the Garbage Pail Kids? I'm not, actually, but... Uh... Would you like to fill us in? I'm I'm not all that familiar. I it was they're very popular in the '80s. They were um, uh, a satire of the Cabbage Patch Kids. They're like the Mad Magazine version, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're 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 just gross little gremlins. I think it's gross out humor, essentially. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, is the is the goal, but anyway, in 1987, they made a uh, they made a film based off of these disgusting trading cards, and the film is fucking horrible. It yeah. Um, he, he said it was actually financed by the company, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Tops actually. <sighs> yeah, Jeez. Tops somehow thought this was a good idea to make their own movie. It was a small. I don't know if they um. Uh, entirely financed it, but it was this was their idea, uh, tops. So mm. it it only cost them a million dollars, um, and it made one point six million. So it was a very small thing. Yeah, uh, I think the most alarming thing you all should look it up, everybody listening, because it's hard to get across in a, without visual. Aids. Yeah, just looking at the uh, the makeup, or I guess. Is it makeup or are they like puppets? They're puppets. They're okay. like animatronic puppets. Oh and god. You really yeah. have to see them in action to fully understand <laughs> how horrible. It doesn't look it good. Is. Yeah. Like you have to look it up on YouTube. Just garbage pale kids movie. Just take a moment. Uh unless you have like a weak stomach. Like because it is disc <laughs> they're they're gross little horrible creatures. Anyway. Yeah. Particularly horribly, in 2012, uh, Michael Eisner uh, decided everybody's favorite former Disney boss. Um, anyway, in 2012, Michael <laughs> Eisner decided to reboot the Garbage Pail Kids. He was going to make a reboot film. Was he going to get Tim Burton to direct it? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's a horrible idea regardless. There's no way. 2012... Um, Maybe they just didn't have the good the right director the first time. Yeah, maybe. I don't know who directed the first film. Probably nobody. Probably um, nobody we've ever heard of. Yeah, exactly. 
But yeah, so Tops made at this in 1962 they made Mars Attacks and they also made a, a an accompanying series called Dinosaurs Attack, um, which is also pretty fun. So the trading cards. Let's talk about the trading cards a little bit. Um, they're an illustrated series of trading cards, uh, 55 cards in total. Um, and they tell a story of uh, an alien invasion, 1 through 55. Uh, do you want to read the little synopsis that one of the cards has here? We've got one of the cards. Well, yeah, sure. Physical um... card, but... Planning to conquer the Earth, Mars sends saucers through space carrying deadly weapons. Burning cities, the Martians destroy much of the Earth's population. The enemy enlarges insects over 500 times their normal size and releases them on the helpless planet. People go into hiding, knowing that death is the consequence if they are discovered by the creatures. Despite its losses, Earth launches a counterattack that shatters the Martians on their home planet Mars. So, obviously, uh pretty different <laughs> yeah pretty different but also kind of the same <laughs> well that, as tim burton fucking said it's not the most complicated of <laughs> yeah it's just like you got marsh i think the marshes look really similar yeah that's basically it the uh their outfits are kind of similar i guess and their heads are kind of similar but yeah I and mean, it's a similar kind of vibe like you can definitely like the whole aesthetic is similar but like it's it, yeah once again it's not like there's a lot of plot in the trading card game yeah, it's a, or sorry, it's trading, a trading cards. They're not a trading card game. Yeah, yeah. So clear. the trading cards, uh, they uh, they sold for five cents a pack initially, um, mm -hmm. and uh, Tops sold them under a subsidiary. Uh, I think it was called like Bubblegum Inc. or something. Mm -hmm. Um. So did you called, get Bubblegum with the cards? I don't know. I think maybe. I think because Tops is a Bubblegum company as well. So yeah, I think maybe it was like a Bubblegum card thing. Um, so you got, you know, you got five cents and you got your cards. Um, yeah. it's actually funny when you, a lot of times when people buy these cards now, I don't know about these ones in particular, but the ones that came with bubblegum, a lot of times, like if you didn't open the cards in like whenever they were made, the cards are just completely ruined now because the bubblegum is like melted into the card. Oh, that's, a, that's hilarious. So you actually need, you want them to be opened. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm not sure, but like, um, I don't know what people want. I don't know. Maybe they do want it to be destroyed Depends by the, on the collector. Home. I suppose. Depends on the collector. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm not familiar with the, the requirements for trading these cards, but uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, so shortly after they were launched, they were, they were pulled because they sparked some outrage amongst parents and authority figures because uh. Their, their violence and sexuality, quote unquote. Um, I mean, I I saw a few cards with violence. Like I I saw I found a few pictures. If you can, you should find some pictures uh, of these mm -hmm. cards. Um, because they are fun fun to look at. Uh, I couldn't see all of them, but I didn't really see anything particularly overtly sexual. But I mean, some... it was like the sixties, right? Yeah, I guess early nineteen sixty two. So yeah. Oh, there was some ankles. <laughs> yeah, there's a different standard back then. <laughs> yeah. So like quickly they uh they tried to do some some reprints. They like repainted 13 of the cards, uh but it was too late because the whole series got got pulled mm. from circulation. So are are these like super super rare now? Super valuable? 
Um, I think the originals are are fairly valuable. Yeah, yeah cuz they were only in circulation very very briefly in mm-hmm. in their in the Mars attacks form especially. I'm just going to quickly search on eBay Mars attacks card. Yeah. Oh, uh these are not that expensive. Oh really? I mean they're expensive for cards. How well how much? Yeah, so like the original 1962 cards, like you can get I mean I I should say like obviously this is super fucking expensive but it's for a card but it's like you know for a five uh, you can get these cards card. for like sixty dollars each like yeah, the original nineteen sixty two ones that's pretty expensive for a bubblegum card yeah I know but I mean do you know how much like yeah oh, yeah memorabilia like, comic yeah. memorabilia yeah obviously Nick Cage what did he spend on Action Comics number one like two million bucks or something i don't know okay that's a that's a whole different ball game there <laughs> <laughs> yeah well action didn't comics the, number one yeah anyway. didn't what oh, i was i was gonna talk about like his copy got stolen or something like that <laughs> it did i think um i don't know if you ever oh, got it back poor nick nick really yeah, got know. screwed over in a lot of ways yeah really let's not end up talking about superman lives though because uh, that's okay because we already have Tim Burton in here. Yeah. <laughs> Superman Lives. Yeah. yeah. If you don't know about Superman Lives, go look it up. It's an entertaining story. So yeah, so the series was pulled. Mars Attacks trading card series was pulled. But um, in 1984, uh, Topps authorized a reprint of the cards, and they went into circulation. And... A guy by the name of Alex Cox came across them in 1985. Do you know Alex Cox? Uh, do I? I don't know. The name sounds familiar. He's a director for independent films in the, like, 70s and 80s. He did Repo Man. Okay. The, like, genetic opera film. What else did he do? He did a couple of other films. I don't think he ever, like, went full mainstream yeah actually i'm looking at his things they all look very like uh very independent but he pitched the film to uh an idea for mars attacks to uh orion and tristar films uh in 1985 and they seemed into it um enough so that he wrote four drafts of the film um which i read one of the script well not the whole script obviously is but I read the intro scene for his second draft of the script. Um, and it's very different. It's, it's, it starts off with, like, aliens killing off all the dinosaurs. Right. And then dropping a bunch of white mice onto Earth to start the age of the mammals. Okay. <laughs> so it's a bizarre... Yeah, um, I'm just going to say, like... I really got the sense watching this movie that this is like a, a very Tim Burton-heavy influenced movie, you know what I mean? What do you mean? So it's like, obviously, I think that everything that was done before he showed up would have been pretty different. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, this this first um, attempt, 1985 version, has nothing to do with Tim Burton or the, the version of Mars Attacks we now. It's totally unrelated. Um, because, yeah, the current one is Universal, I believe, right? Um, Warner Brothers. Warner Bros. Yeah, so totally different um, company than, yeah, he pitched it to. He pitched it to uh, Orion and TriStar. 
But yeah, so he wrote this totally different version that has some different implications and different storylines altogether. But it, it, it ultimately got put into turnaround and was never made. But uh, in 1994, uh, Topps does a second reprint of, of the Mars Attacks trading cards. And there seems to be a theme here. Oh, what, like every time that there's a reprint, they start doing the movie again? Yeah, as soon as there's a reprint, someone tries to make a movie of these cards. I don't know. They're just that appealing. They immediately spark uh, creativity yeah. in the minds of screenwriters. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think? If they do a reprint, like, next year, do you think there'll be a remake of <laughs> of the film? Do I think there'll be a remake of the film? Very possibly. I don't know. Something about this film like doesn't seem like it would be made. Now? now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Elaborate. No, it's just like, I don't know, I feel like uh, it's too... Um, I don't know how to describe it, you know what I mean? It's too... Uh, sharp? Yeah. It's very 90s. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is so aggressively 90s, and for a lot of different reasons, I think. Yeah, for many reasons. Um, but yeah, we can get into more of that, I guess, a little bit when we're talking about our uh, our thoughts. Yeah, I think we're going to have a long thoughts section. Yeah, f- a long final thoughts. Um, yeah. But, uh, so... So the the guy who finds these uh these cards this time is a guy named uh Jonathan Gems. Um and he's an English guy, uh mm-hmm. I believe. He's a playwright, screenwriter guy who had done some work with uh with Tim Burton. Um I believe he did a couple of work uh weeks work on uh Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. And he also did a he wrote a, a sequel that never got made for Beetlejuice. Right. So he's he's familiar with Burton. Yeah. I believe the sequel for Beetlejuice that he made was called uh Beetlejuice in Hawaii or something. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so he brings the idea to Tim Burton, who uh likes their uh anarchistic spirit, he said. Right. Um, <laughs> which is Kinda, I think, a bit what you were getting at, in with yeah, yeah. The... Like I'm kind of surprised, like you know, even then that this movie got made with the, uh... not that it got made, but that it got made like by like Warner Brothers and shit. Yeah, like it seems super aggressive for a big budget movie in its messaging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because. Tim Burton said uh, in his book, Burton on... Well, it's not his book necessarily. It's kind of his book. Burton on Burton. Why is the, it only kind of his book? Well, because he didn't necessarily write it. He, like, was interviewed for it, oh, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's so his, it's his words. words in it. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, he says he was very disillusioned with the state of the of the government at the time, the American government. Right. Um. You can he, definitely see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very obvious. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. He, the whole 
good part of this film, I think, is is his sharp satirical take on everything. Like, that's, yeah, that's everything else. If you take that out of it, it's a pretty thin film. Like, it's it's fun. I, I think even with that, it's pretty thin. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not like it's a particularly uh, uh, dense um, or thoughtful take. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of just a fun movie. I don't know, maybe that's the reason why I got made, you know, yeah. by then it got the budget, just because it seemed like a fun movie. Yeah, anyway, we'll get into that a bit more, as we said. Um, yeah. So, Jonathan Gems, he writes a script on based on Mars Attacks, because he did bring both cards, he bought both trading cards mars attacks and uh dinosaurs attack um because he thought they would both be great movies but tim burton was like dinosaurs attack is definitely too much like jurassic park yeah i guess (laughs) to make into a movie Um, yeah so they went with mars attacks so gems gets a, a script written and brings it to warner bros uh, who estimates the cost of his script at $280 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, definitely just looking at all the shit that happens in the movie. Like, the movie that ended up getting made seems like it was expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can only imagine what was in there, like, before that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been a crazy movie if they got $260 million to do it. But Yeah, there obviously... is something that... That we'll talk about quite a bit later that I think cut down a lot of the cost. Exactly, yeah. We will, yeah. We will get into that. I believe but, um, on part two, but... Yeah. Um, so, uh, this part gets kind of confusing, but I feel like writing... The writing part is always like a confusing clusterfuck. Um, yeah, you know, there's all these different drafts and shit like that. Exactly, and there's always, like, seems like competing... It seems like narratives, like the different writers are like, no, well, you know, yeah. I wrote it really. <laughs> yeah, and also like, this is just my observation, uh, but it seems like there's like often the people making the movies have like different writers that they back, sort of. So it's yeah. like each writer that's brought in is like somebody's guy, sort of. So it's like the producers like these guys and the director likes these guys. And it kinda yeah, like, it's kind of weird, like, uh, that film is, like, not really, like, many other mediums, where, uh, basically, it's it's usually not the work of, like, one writer. Like, there's usually not, like, a, uh... Yeah, it's impossible to, like, credit. Like, the credit is often barely half the story of, like, what happens. Yeah. Although sometimes, like, you know, sometimes it... The writers are are honest about what happens. I guess like with the Moneyball story, we uh, we got yeah, a pretty exactly. clear picture of how that turned out, right? Yeah, and those guys were, but those guys are like legends. So I feel like they don't have as much like pride on the line, if you know what I mean. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> I guess you're right. You know, they're just like yeah, yeah, yeah. We he can did. talk about it openly. Yeah, you know, uh, he wrote it, and then I went in and I wrote more of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But so essentially what happens is Gems gets fired. Um, the t- two, the writing duo um, who worked on Ed Wood got hired. Yes. So work on Ed Wood, not with Ed Wood, right? Yeah. They worked on Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I miswrote that in the, in the outline. Yeah. Um, they worked, they worked 
on the film Ed Wood. But then they were they were out quickly, and then ultimately, um, Jonathan Gems got writing credit and wrote like fourteen treatments in the end. So, mm. so I don't really know. It's kind of just a weird little aside that that when the budget his he got fired because his budget was too high. I think. Right, and they're like, okay, we got to figure out. You got to bring on somebody who's gonna like you know be able to uh, come up with a movie that we can actually make. Yeah, and then eventually Gems was the guy who did that, and they brought the budget down to, what did we say, $70 million? Yeah, but I don't think much of that has to do with Gems changing anything in the script. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there are other differences, but it's, it's, they did eventually uh, get the green light with Gems' yeah, version. Definitely. Um, but also Gems says uh, that Tim Burton is like an uncredited writer. Yeah, I film. think that, that that's pretty obvious just watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, it's just very Tim burton in every respect. Yeah. Speaking of Tim burton it's like uh, very dark and outside, cloudy, and like a lone bubble just floated past my window. A bubble? Yeah, like a, a singular... And I'm like on the fifth floor here. Like, It's a very creepy thing to happen. Yeah, it's like dark out. I can just see like... Does a, it seem like somebody's blowing bubbles? Must be, but I just saw one. Anyway. Um, yeah. He, uh, true to form, apparently, drew a lot of pictures during the writing process. And that was... Yeah. It seems his contribution to the writing process was mostly pictorial. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like describing images... Right. Yeah, he's 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 a very visual guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was Definitely. an animator. <laughs> Sorry? He was an animator. But like you can also tell it like, you know, um just like in the way that this movie was shot that he like, you know, he's a very visual director. Yeah, and I mean obviously based on every, what everybody Tim Burton's movies are visual movies like Yeah. They're all very visually captivating, but even aside from that, even if in a film where, like, besides the aliens, obviously, the, like, the normal shots aren't, like, particular... They're, they're normal life, everyday life shots, but they still kind of have this Tim they Burton-y... Still have a, they still feel, like, off-kilter. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, a lot of that has to do with, like, literally just, like, the way it's shot, like, where he put the camera, like, what lenses on it and everything like that. Exactly. There is... It, it does feel very tight a lot of the time but i also feel like this is kind of a thing with 90s movies they all have this, yeah they, it's something to do with like the colors and the like the angles i'm not and, sure like, what you mean but uh i don't know they all have this kind of like really almost i feel like there was definitely a look of like very saturated colors yeah in like especially in the late 90s yeah and that's huge in this film yeah which is interesting because like a lot of other Tim Burton movies are much less like that well they, it's not necessarily that they're desaturated. They're always heavily saturated. It's just that the only colors in them are colors. Are, the only shades in them are black and like, white. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Edward Scissorhands, right? Like Yeah, it's all black and yeah. white. Sorry? It's all black and white. Yeah. Like, the, like all everything in the movie's black and white, not the movie's black and white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a very saturated film. It's just, there's no colors. <laughs> Having no colors by very definition means the colors aren't saturated. No, but the colors are there. The point is, is like... Something that is black and white has zero saturation. But my point is, it's not... There's no colors. The The film itself is highly saturated. What 
they're shooting is is not very colorful is my point <laughs> yes so you're saying it has a lot of contrast no because not... i mean because i'm saying there are colors in it like there's a christmas tree and when the christmas tree is on on in the shot it's highly saturated right okay i'll have to look back at the movie but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I always weren't sure if you, if you, if you were correctly understanding the meaning of the word saturation. There, I correctly understand the meaning of the word. You misunderstood my point, sir. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway what, were, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about the look of the film. Yeah. Um. It's very saturated. Yeah, it's it's very very saturated. Um. But yeah, like definitely there's a lot of a lot of movies in the 90s that kind of look like this. Yeah. In terms of like how it looked, I think they they did draw a lot of inspiration from the cards because they did they said they like went through the cards and kind of picked out the ones that they liked. Mhm. One of them was like burning cattle. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very early in the film. Is that the first shot of the film? It's the first scene, yeah, is the Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, like very early on in the movie, they have <laughs> the burning cattle, which really sets the tone, uh, I would say. Yeah, that whole first scene, I think, gets you um, ready for the kind of movie you're going to be watching. Yeah. Just absurd. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, obviously it was massively influenced by the 50 schlock films, because um, that's what they were trying to, they got it from the 1962 Mars Attacks card game. They were really trying to, uh, yeah, definitely like a that. 50s B movie vibe, yeah, but like uh, with competent, uh, camera work and everything, yeah, exactly. With a budget, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is so funny to, to me. Like, they're like recreating these like schlock films on a budget. It's like, no, that was the whole point. That's the reason they're like well, that. Is... I, I, I think that there's value in like like looking at these films and saying like, okay, these are bad because this, this, and this because they had no money and et cetera, right? Yeah. But it's like maybe that there are elements in these movies that are creative that yeah. we can extract from them. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Of course. And that well that's why they influence so many people is because there is so much creativity in there. It's just <laughs> It's just like you know, behind a, a layer of just crap. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why the good ones really show through, because it has to exactly, fight, yeah. fight through the crap. Exactly. Um, so, I guess that kind of gets us to the casting point, um, because it's when they sort of decided that they wanted, like, an ensemble cast. Uh, and there's a great quote from Burton on Burton, uh, where Tim Burton's talking about like why he kind of decided he wanted a, uh, um, like a, a uh, an ensemble cast. Do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. He says, uh, "I've always liked those Irwin Allen films, those celebrities getting killed movies. That's a <laughs> genre in itself, where you have Charlton Heston married to Ava Gardner, and his father is Lauren Green." who's three years younger than his daughter, Ava Gardner. <laughs> you get all of these weird mixes of those people in those movies. Uh, so that was one aspect of it, yeah. I don't think there was an overriding thematic thing, but it seemed like a good idea to just blow away celebrities with ray guns. 
okay yeah that's uh <laughs> that's that's a pretty apt description of like what so much of this movie is yeah exactly um and actually i'll just get you to read that like second quote a little further down from him because it actually they they go together really well i think yeah, yeah. So he says, I sort of sectioned off the casting into two different kinds of people. People who I like, and then the people who represented certain aspects of culture and society that were more satirical. And it was fun. <laughs> it... <laughs> so um, I think the, the implicit thing in there is that like, there's people who I like, and then there's people who get vaporized. <laughs> yeah, I think sort of is the... Is the uh implication a little bit a little bit yeah but yeah so it does kind of like <laughs> he does kind of like contradict himself a little bit um in the sense that he says like there's no overriding thematic thing but then he also says he was trying to uh get representations of satirical representations of culture and society so yeah, some, I don't know. It just, I, I just get the sense that like Tim Burton was just really bitter. Uh, yeah, that's that is the vibe. There's so much anger in this movie, like political <laughs> rage. Yeah, um, I don't know. and like American rage in this movie. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, I can definitely see that. It's very American movie. Yeah, but it's like. <laughs> It's it's anti-American. Yeah, but it's also so American. <laughs> it's anti-American from an American perspective. Yeah, I'm not amazing at at uh, uh picking apart films in the, to this in this way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I think that there's um the problem with doing that often comes down to like I don't know if if Tim Burton really thought that deeply about it. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> <Like> gets. <laughs> Yeah, there's just it's like, like he, you said. I I think he was clearly very bitter, and um, it just comes across it's, really strongly. It's just a series of jabs rather than yeah a, a thought out uh yeah philosophical I, I, that's, statement. That's, that's what I would say. I don't know. Maybe Tim Tim has uh, different opinions on that. Uh, in which case, yeah. he's welcome to come on the show and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's invited to to share his opinions on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So so we mentioned there are tons of people in this movie. So we don't really have time to talk about how all of them got cast. But um, well, we can talk about some of them though. Yeah, like like the lead role. Uh, roles, roles. Sorry, yeah, dual roles. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's like I wouldn't actually say that necessarily either one of them is the lead role. No, no. But exactly. together they are like like Jack Nicholson is who we're talking about here. He's clearly yes. the star of the movie. Yes, and it it might even be based on charisma alone. But <laughs> well, he just fills the screen. When yeah, he's, exactly. When he's on screen, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> um. And this isn't the first time he was working with him, is it? Is it? What was it? What was the first one? The Joker. Oh yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson was the Joker in uh in Batman. Yes. In the Batman. Yes, he was. Tim Burton Batman universe. So they had worked together. Um, and it seems like Tim Burton loves Jack Nicholson. I mean, obvious, like. Yeah. <laughs> he's so no. like up 
Sorry, he's just he just seems like somebody who would get along with Tim Burton. Like, yeah, like, they very much have a similar vibe. Yes, uh, like in in his in in Burton on Burton, he talks about how Jack Nicholson just like gets him. Yeah, <laughs> and they have like the same view of show business. Yeah, I don't know. I I get the sense that like Jack Nicholson is like just a really good people person. Like I feel like everybody who talks to him like says good things about him. Like that everybody likes him. Yeah, I get a, the feeling he's very difficult to work with. Like, I feel like yeah, not that's all true. directors like, would would have the same opinion as Tim Burton, but I feel like, yeah, yeah on definitely. like a personal level, I feel like everybody loves him. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, so t- t- Tim Burton was like seemingly desperate to get Jack Nicholson into the movie, so he just like kept offering him roles. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, play the president. Yeah, yeah, play, uh, like, he, apparently he offered him basically every role in the film. Um, I assume the Martians were offered him as well. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. The cows. And, and, he, and he said, apparently, he eventually said was like. Jack was just like, well, why not all of them? <laughs> and so they, they did. Yeah. And oh, well, he, two of them. Two I assume it would have been impossible for him to do as many as they probably wanted to do. Yeah. So just like there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this for a second, because it's a weird choice for any movie. What to, to have a character playing more than one? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I would just say that it's very. Uh, did we already talk about? Oh no, that's a little bit later. But anyway, like, I think it's very clear that, um, and there's actually a lot of similarities between this movie and Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Is, like, uh, I, I think it's clear that, like, Tim Burton likes that movie, and, like, that's obviously an example of somebody yeah. playing multiple characters, including the president. Yeah, that does, that's true. <laughs> like... <laughs> that is true. Like, I mean, there's, like, this film is a huge homage to that film in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, we'll go, like, I mean... It's not a huge point. Later, we can just mention it now. Like, the 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 whole war room at the at the end is basically, yeah. Like, well, I feel like every evil on... villain lair, or I guess it's not really an evil villain lair, but like, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's a very like, uh, it's a very iconic looking room, and it's been ripped off a lot of times. Yeah, and this is one of those times. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the dual role is like. I feel like this is one of the few movies where it's not a bad idea. Well, it just speaks to the silliness of the movie. Yeah, it speaks to the silliness of the movie, and it, like, works with the satirical elements as well. Like, it's it's just silly, but then also if you want to look at it, like, oh, you know, he's the president and the, like... Just fucking dumb, like, uh, real like, estate developer. Yeah, well, he's like he's the representation of good and evil in society, or whatever, or not good and evil, but you know what I mean. Uh, like, yeah, or both and ends chaos. Of the... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like um, uh, selflessness and and selfishness in yeah, the although, eyes of American people, but they're exactly at the same time. Like, I don't know. It's just like the characterization of the president. I think is really funny. Well, that's yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like the the. Honest. That's why I said I'm bad at, at I'm bad at doing this. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't think that's ever really been what this podcast is about. But like, no, no, that's yeah. never been our focus. But let's just move on. 
Yeah, so once again, we also get a uh, couple other uh, notable appearances in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, you got your... Like, God, it's such a long list. You've got... My favorite appearance, personally, is Michael J. Fox. Yeah? I love his role in this movie. I think he's it's, great It's really it. good. I don't know. I always get to say Pierce Brosnan. That's also a great role. It's so yeah. hilarious. He nails it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, fucking Tom Jones. Yeah, but that's, that's where... <laughs> Do you know it, how like, to fly a plane? It gets really oh, weird. Oh, sorry. Do you know anybody who can fly a plane? Well, I could fly a plane or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so actually, it's it's funny, though, speaking of what you were talking about with, like, the celebrities getting killed thing, uh, it's uh, Tom Jones survives. Yeah, Tom Jones is like, yeah, I don't even know what that last, it, it really goes <laughs> off the rails in that last 45 minutes in a lot of ways, I think. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the last, I think the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie are so good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. It It, it kind of... <laughs> It reconvenes, I think, in the last 15 minutes. Well, it kind of just, like, it gets it all out. Like, it, it gets out everything it was trying to do with all the carnage and destruction, and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to about time wrap it up now. Let's, uh... Yeah, as soon as it decides to, it. to wrap it up. Like, there's, like, it kind of falls apart, for, in my opinion, for, like, about 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> between, like, it's not a bad falling apart, because it's, like, uh, action-packed alien carnage, as well, you say. That's the point, though. That, that's the point <laughs> that they were getting to. Sort of the, they were building up to that 30 minutes <laughs> yeah, for the entire it's movie. True. Like, it's, it's true. <laughs> that was the movie, is that 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> But yeah, so there is more to the uh, to the filming, but we will come back to it. Uh, I believe more in part two. Yes, um, we will. But f- for now, we we can move on to our our final segment? segment for for today. Okay. Which is heavily well, related. There's a lot of com- you know. Well, there's some comparisons. <laughs> They're both. Science fiction? Sorry, what? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome once again to the section of the podcast uh, called Six Degrees of Star Trek, where we. Find the connections between the current film in question and Star Trek. Hell yeah. So this can be any form of uh, Star Trek screen appearance. Um, And we measure how many links there are in between this movie and Star Trek. Hell yeah. This this one is in, like, the perfect... um time range for Voyager. <laughs> it is actually uh, in the perfect time range for Voyager. There may be some connections to Voyager which might be mentioned. Yes! Um, <laughs> but I was just about to... I was just going to say, like, so you know when you have a movie with just this many people in it? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to find some direct connections? Yeah, seriously. And There's... in fact, we have three. All of them are direct. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. 
Yeah. Um, let's see. Which one do I want to start with? Okay. Uh, so the first one that I will start with is is Paul Winfield or sorry, Winfield or Winfield. I, I'm not quite sure. Okay. But anyway, in the, this film, he plays the uh, the general that goes to meet the Martian ambassador. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so he gets vaporized, right? Oh yeah, he's he's. I think maybe is he the even first the person to be first vaporized? Person to be vaporized, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, he was in Star Trek: Wrath of Khan, and he also gets vaporized in that movie. <laughs> so sick! What a connection. Um, so uh, if you ever seen Wrath of Khan, there's this part where like, uh, Khan. Like so, he's Captain Terrell in in this film. Uh, Paul Winfield is, yeah. and so there's this part where Khan like implants these uh, like worm-like creatures into into the brains of Chekhov and Captain Terrell. Yeah, and he can like control them. Yeah, uh, and so he uh, he forces uh, Captain Terrell to vaporize himself with his own phaser. God, yeah, it's brutal. It's- yeah, brutal like record that he gets vaporized in this and in Star Trek. Yeah, come on, dude, that doesn't bode well for your. Um, and I, I also want to mention that he's in more Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> really? Because he looks for. I knew, I'd seen him somewhere. What, what else is he in? So he's in the classic 1991 episode of the Next Generation, Darmok. Um, is he the guy in the costume? I don't know. Is he? <laughs> He is. <laughs> so if you've never seen that episode, uh it's like it's essentially uh Captain Picard ends up on this planet and he has to work together with this alien but they don't speak the same language. Oh yeah. And they kind of have to like understand each other, but like this this uh this alien language essentially speaks only with references to other things. <laughs> it's really confusing, but uh <laughs> Yeah. So he's the creature. He's the guy in the costume. So I don't know why you would have recognized him from that. That's yeah, clearly. But he's not also what in I'm a lot about. of things. Like he's a yeah. he's a pretty. Uh, he's he's been in. Uh, he was in the Terminator. Uh, oh yeah. So the next uh, the next uh, person we have is somebody who you may not have even realized is in this movie. Okay. And that is the absolute legend. Frank fucking Welker. Do you know who Frank Welker is? Of course I know who Frank Welker is. <laughs> he is the greatest actor of all time. I forgot to even mention him. I can't believe I forgot to mention him when I read the cast list earlier. God, I love Frank Welker. Well, I mean, you could be forgiven because he's in so many movies. Yeah, maybe like, it's, like hundreds and hundreds of movies. Yeah, so... um his career, you, he spans since the 60s he's been in stuff. Yeah. So if you don't know who Frank Welker is, uh, he is a voice actor. Best that, known uh, for playing Fred Jones in the original Scooby-Doo series. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. And every subsequent Scooby-Doo series. Yep. Uh, he also played Megatron in Transformers. Yep. Uh, and he is very... He is sort of his 
thing that I guess he does in literally everything is if you've ever heard like an animal sound effect, yeah. it's oftentimes Frank Wilker making that with his mouth. Yeah, it's true. He makes a lot of weird noises. And he, so that's, he's in hundreds of movies is making weird noises. So um, that is what he does in this movie. Because he is the he plays many of the Martians. He plays all the Martians. <laughs> yeah. 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 Duck, duck. Duck, That's duck. yeah. So uh, if it, it just I I would suggest to anybody who does not know who Frank Welker is, look him up because he's got a very interesting career. Um, I believe I don't know if it's true anymore, but for a while there, his like filmography was like the highest grossing of all time. Not surprising because he's been like. He was probably in, like, 10 seconds of, like, you know, some of the biggest movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was probably the foghorn in Titanic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, yeah, obviously you would imagine that if this is a guy who makes weird noises, he might have done something in Star Trek. Yeah, right at home. <laughs> exactly. So, um, the, the first connection I have is that he is, uh, in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, he makes some screaming noises <laughs> of adolescent Spock. <laughs> That's so sick. Yeah, and uh, also he plays, or he makes the sounds of an alien creature in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Fuck yeah, he does. Which episode? Uh, there we It is called Nothing Human. It is when an alien parasitically latches onto Balana. <laughs> uh, the doctor calls up a Cardassian doctor for assistance, unaware that he's a war criminal and creating an ethical quandary. Oh no! Classic Star Trek with their ethical quandaries. Seriously, that's that's a big theme. My sister sent me an excellent uh, clip from Star Trek Voyager today. Uh, it's yeah. Balana. And she's like, ta I forget who she's talking to. It's Tom Paris or something. And she is the line that she says is, we have to get this cheese to sick bay. The doctor will be interested. Cheese? What? <laughs> what episode is that from? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to have to find that out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So the, the final third connection that we have is yeah. uh, this was actually a really small role in this film. Right. But it was Willie Garson. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is, but he's no. a guy that's just been in like a million fucking TV shows in like the 90s. Willie Garson. Yeah. Uh, if you look at his face, you'll definitely recognize him. I will look at his face. But anyway, so he, in this film, he played, like, I guess um, he was Michael J. Fox's producer. It's not clear exactly what his role was, but he, oh, he was right, on the phone yeah, yeah. when he gets called when he's like, oh, the president's going to make an address or whatever. Oh, yeah, Did you yeah. find a picture of him? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen him in something. Yeah, definitely. He's in some So anyway, in an episode of Star Trek Voyager <laughs> called uh, 30 Days... Um, oh yeah, I know that episode. Yeah, so he plays the the fish man, or sorry, the aquatic guy. <laughs> and he he's plays in the hell out of him. makeup, but you can still like recognize him through the makeup. Yeah, he's still in it. There it is, right there. Thirty days. His name yeah. is Riga. Yes, in in that episode, his name is Riga. Yeah. 
So there we go. That's uh, six degrees of Star Trek for you. I don't think I have anything else. But no, that's good. Unless you wanted to uh, make a comment on, I don't know, Voyager or Frank Walker. No, no. I mean, I are, no. I've said all I have to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's that is our episode for this week. Uh, but we have uh, we've got a lot more. So it'll be coming back. Yeah. And we'll have another episode for you next week. Let me just play us out here. Woo! Um.